everybody. We're here to celebrate Jamal Adams. Uh, what a great tiger. I present to you Jamal Adams. And it was intercepted. Adams picked it off at the 40 yard line. Thank you to my parents. I knew that eventually he going to love the game of football. He is just so laid back. To Coach Mack. You have trained me since seventh grade. You know, I was kind of take, really taken back by the fact, you know, a kid at this age, you know, had that type of mindset. Coach Hurd, you pushed me to limits that I didn't think I could reach. And since then, I've set higher standards for myself in everything I do. His potential to play, I believe, one day in the NFL. I saw that. These things don't happen overnight always, okay? This is something that was, he always had the potential to be. Intercepted. Jamal Adams. The smartest football player on LSU's defense is Jamal Adams. My family and I have agreed that I would declare for the 2017 NFL Draft. It takes a certain type of player to get selected in the top 10 of the NFL Draft. You see franchise quarterbacks in waiting, electric offensive skill players, pass rushers who can rack up double-digit sacks, Offensive linemen destined to protect someone's blind side for the next decade. What you don't see there very often are safeties. Authentic, do-everything safeties who patrol the back end of the defense and are asked to be ball-hawking, heat-seeking missiles no matter what play the offense runs. It's a value question, really. Why spring early for a safety when teams know they can teach a cornerback deemed too big or too slow for the NFL to shift back and play center field later on? In fact, since 2000, only six safeties have been top 10 picks, and the few prospects that do become exceptions to the rule are truly special athletes. I'm Eric Single, and the second episode of Draft Season is about one of those special players, the son of a first-round pick who has been preparing for the NFL spotlight for years. SI's Chris Burke has the story. This year, Jamal Adams is not just poised to be the seventh top 10 safety this millennium. He might end up going higher in the draft than any safety has since before he was born. After the Browns pick at number one, any of the teams in the top five could make Jamal the centerpiece of their defense. The hype and the pressure and the scrutiny in the lead up to the draft that comes with it may be unfamiliar territory for the top prospects at that particular position but it's an annual right for the best players available, and Adams is taking it head on. You know, it's definitely something I want to do. I want to make history, man. Um, Sean Taylor and, and Eric Berry, they went number five, and they were the highest safeties ever. Um, so if I can break that barrier, I definitely would love to. Um, it, it would mean everything in the world to me, uh, as well as my family and as well as, you know, the team back home. The names Jamal just mentioned don't get thrown around lightly, and they underscore a fundamental truth of the draft. To get top five consideration as a safety, you have to be really, really good. Suffice it to say, Jamal's high school position coach, Sean Hurd, is on board. You know, people would talk about Michael Jordan, you know, uh, always being the ultra uh, competitor, but I believe Jamal was that in football. I mean, he's he never backed down from anyone. He's always willing to compete against whoever it was. And, uh, and I followed Jamal, you know, sometimes to uh, you know, meeting at different rival camps and getting a chance to see Jamal in action and get some of the, you know, top players coming up. And, you know, same thing I saw and uh, we worked on in 
at practice, you know, and it, it, you still put it together out there on the field. It, it didn't change. It didn't matter. It was never too big for him. He was always uh, in a position to make plays. He's he just, you know, just one of those unbelievable players that you Adam stepped in front of the and chased, and he is tackled from behind. What an outstanding play by Adams, who chased him all the and way. Jamal Adams made him pay and threw him for a loss. And the Tiger defense. Great interception by Jamal Adams. The pass was over. Intercepted down around the 28-yard line. Coming up as at two years old, uh, one or two, he was always around football. That's Jamal's father, George Adams. Um, because, and I thought that, and, and just to see him, the way that, uh, he actually was around, you know, the things he was doing, you know, is I knew that eventually he going to love the game of football. And that's something that I wanted him to do, but I wasn't going to force him to do it. George Adams played six seasons for the Giants and Patriots in the late eighties and early nineties. So Jamal was given a choice in the matter, but as a son of a first-round pick in the 1985 draft, football was in his blood and it showed early on, both in his skills and his instincts. Growing up in Louisville, Texas, a northern suburb of Dallas, Jamal played up an age group each year under George's instruction, and each year Jamal showed his father he could handle the challenge. So one year he was nine and he was uh he played with the nine and ten year olds. So we went to uh into South Lake and we played this team and uh, this kid <laughs> this is a story the kid was a big running back he probably was maybe the biggest kid in the in the league okay so he comes around the edge he runs a sweep and uh Jay came up as as a safety and he threw at him you know such as he tried to cut his legs out and he jumped over him and then uh got another 10 yards so I called timeout I called timeout, so they all came over, and I said, man, what are you doing? Keep your head up. I didn't say it in that uh, tone of voice. It was, a little, it was a little worse than that. And then he stopped me. He said, Dad, I got it. I said, okay, you better get it. So about three plays later, they run the same play. So <laughs> they pitch the ball to the kid, and he comes around again, and Jay comes up. He tried to jump him again, but that was his last jump. Jay raised his target up and he flipped him. So they had to, you know, the kid's okay, but they had to call, they had to call the ambulance and everything because he flipped him and he flipped on his neck. But the kid's okay. He didn't actually hurt his neck or anything like that. That was just that they wanted to make sure. But, and then after the game on the way home, you know, we talked about it and I said, okay, I think you got it now. He said, Dad, I told you, I got it. So from then on, when he was in the 9 and 10, from then on, I did not have to say anything else to him, you know, in that sense of this is what you need to do. He, it just seemed like the, just the light bulb came on. In middle school, Jamal met someone else who knew what it looked like when the light bulb comes on. Clay Mack, a North Texas-based instructor who specializes in position-specific skills and has worked with several other high-profile defensive backs in recent years. Here's the moment Clay could tell something was special about Jamal, even as a seventh grader. You know, so after practice, we run at sprints. And, uh, you know, some of the guys were kind of fidgety over the lines. And, and Jamal stood up and said, you know, hey. You know, and he, he was shouting to the kids that, you know, hey, you know, we're, we're not going to get better by cheating and, and this and that. And, you know, I was kind of take, really taken back by the fact, you know, a kid at this age, you know, had that type of mindset. Which, you know, kind of made sense, you know, coming from the household that he came from with George. You know what I'm saying? So I gravitated to him 
Houston. And ultimately, Jamal began seeking out private instruction from Mack, who helped him build the footwork and agility of a cornerback to supplement the raw athleticism that made him such an intimidating safety. You know, it was something that, you know, it was a bond once we clicked um, that I knew that it, it would be special. Um, we took off and, you know, uh, I remember, you know, getting up at 530 in the morning in high school, just training with him before I go to my high school, uh, my next high school workout, just always doing extra work with him. And, uh, you know, it, it's like a brotherhood, fatherhood. Uh, it's, it's so many bonds between uh, him and I um, that, you know, I, I won't take for granted and that I can't appreciate him enough. So another way in which Mac was instrumental, consulting with Adams and his family when they decided safety was Jamal's best position. Jamal had played running back, too, just like his father, who still sits fifth on Kentucky's all-time rushing list. But injuries deprived George of a longer and more productive NFL career, and he didn't want his son's football life to end in a similar way. Going and I see the way that I'm limping um, my hip, you know, because I don't have two hip replacements. And I said to myself, my son loves the game, but I don't want him to end up like me. So I want him to give the licks instead of taking the licks. So, yes, I I, I convinced him to play on the other side of the ball. And when it came to giving licks, Jamal wasted little time fulfilling his father's wishes as a freshman at Hebron High School. Here's Clay Mack again. They they throw two a days, and they have a big hit award. Okay, so they give the big hit to the kid that he he gets to wear the yellow jersey. And, um, you, you know, for the next day of practice. So the first day of practice, they had pants on. Jamal um, came through the alley and hit a kid um, on the sideline and knocked him all the way to the track. Okay, so he won the big hit award that day. The caveat about that story, though, he won the big hit award every day. So he wore the yellow jersey through all the tour days. Sean Hurd, Hebron's safety coach, when Jamal was there, also remembers Jamal making a big impression. The first time we had a workout. Uh, with the uh, varsity group and Jamal was running sprints and uh, Jamal was uh, was at the front of every sprint or he was beating everyone and so I, sh- I, I, I was really amazed that a freshman coming from you know at the eighth grade was in such great conditioning at that age he, he was uh, pushing himself uh, where we had older guys that were you know sometimes struggling he was already in position where he was uh, able to compete in that area. Jamal became a starter on varsity by the middle of his freshman season. Hurd remembers one of his starts coming against a team from Mesquite, Texas, with two future NFL players, Jakeem Grant and Ja'Cory Shepard, at receiver, running a route concept Adams hadn't been taught before. That trial by fire and all those years playing up an age level ended up paying off. As Jamal grew into a key player at Hebron, he also became a five-star recruit and the number one safety prospect in the country, according to Scout.com. One thing that I, you know, stated to Jamal uh, going into his senior year as a junior is that, you know, his potential to play, I believe, one day in the NFL. I saw that, you know, uh, and so uh, these things don't happen overnight always. Sometimes they may, but not in this case, okay? This is something that was... Uh, Always, uh, he always had the potential to be. Before Jamal got there, he had to further his DB education. And where better to do that than at LSU, the school sometimes referred to as DBU for the steady stream of corners and safeties it sends to the pros. There was a point in time when 
in one secondary, Mo Claiborne and Pat Peterson were there, and and a uh, a nickelback in that uh, in that group was Tyron Matthew, and Daryl Simon also could back up in that group, and Eric Reed was a, a safety, and every one of those guys I just mentioned all played in the NFL, and uh, and and I I didn't get them all. I just I just talked about one team. That's Les Miles, who won two national championships in his 12 seasons as LSU's head coach before being forced out midway through the 2016 season. When it comes to defense, there are few greater authorities in college football than the coach they call the Mad Hatter. And so, you know, a guy like Jamal, really guys across the country that are looking to be, you know, coached aggressively and expected to make plays and taught how uh, to offhand jam and how to run with phase, how to feel that front side hip, and the, to recognize, you know, what we're going to ask from our secondary and how we're going to challenge those corners to play. And I, again, I think that that uh, first of all, it, when you bring those names up, you're you're telling some young man in his living room that, hey, listen. I've coached, I've been around, this is what we have going at LSU, and you can be a part. Jamal, for one, bought the pitch. Knowing who, you know, who came before me, the Tyrants, the Pat P, Ryan Clarks, Corey Webster, um, the list goes on. Um, you know, so um, just just knowing, you know, how, hard, how high the bar was set, um, knowing that I can come into a, a great program, a great brotherhood, um, and, you know, try to, you know, leave my mark. And that's what it was about. Um, you know, it, it was, it's, it's not only about football in that DB room, um, it's also about life. So uh, that's what we pride ourselves on and that's what we live by. To see younger people, high school kids, and as, as I go around and talk to different schools, how many defensive backs want to play in Death Valley, want to play in Tiger Stadium, want an opportunity to maybe wear number seven, it's just crazy to think of what they've built and this legacy that is now LSU and defensive backs is the you know, premier place to play. That's Ryan Clark, the former Steelers and Redskins safety, who won a pair of Super Bowls in Pittsburgh after entering the league as an undrafted free agent out of LSU in 2002. By his own admission, Clark is a predecessor of the bumper crop of blue-chip DB talent in Baton Rouge, but he's as much a part of the fraternity as the younger members still playing on Sundays – and Jamal is just one of the young Tigers he went out of his way to connect with, starting in Jamal's freshman year. He's always been a brother um, to me, his family as well, great family. Um, and, you know, it, it's not always about football with him. Uh, it's definitely about just, just life, life in general. He can be the best defensive back to have come out of here um, in a long time, and that includes, you know, Tyron Matthew and Patrick Peterson. Adams didn't start from day one at LSU, but like several Tiger legends before him, it didn't take long for him to stick in the starting lineup for good. After a standout performance against Kentucky, his father George's alma mater, Jamal received the team's MVP of the game from Coach Miles, and he knew he had arrived. He loved being a young player around some of our better older players because he knew that they were a source of information and he was really a sponge, and he did everything that he could to improve himself. I think when you look at a guy like Jamal, though, uh, you know, he's a guy who can have all-pro Hall of Fame contributions and effectiveness like a guy like Brian Dawkins, you know, because he plays the game 
with that type of effort. He has that type of violence in the way that he strikes. He has that type of want to and will to be great. And I think when you can see a guy at this young age and compare him or feel like he can be a guy like that, that's how you get into the five, top five. To be able to change games to one week guard O.J. Howard, who's going to be a first-round pick, and he be ineffective. And then next week, go guard Ingram and Ole Miss, and he's ineffective. To show that type of skill and man-to-man coverage against these hybrid, very uh, highly touted tight ends is something that Jamal did on a regular basis that I think has gone uh, you know, f- far underrated. As they always do, NFL teams took notice, and it was clear early on in his junior year that Jamal would have a decision to make about leaving early for the draft at the end of the college football season. Um, it was something that I tried not to focus on, but at times that it came up um, just by talks with my family. Um, I, you know, leading, leading up all the way towards the end of my junior year, I definitely didn't want to focus on it. I just wanted to go out as a winner no matter what. Uh, it just wasn't about, you know, the decision. But once I made the decision, I felt it was the right one. There was one final touch, a nod to the head coach that had sold him on LSU in the first place. Even though Miles had been fired four games into the season and replaced with defensive line coach Ed Orgeron, Jamal invited Miles to attend the press conference in which he announced he would forgo his senior season and declare for the NFL draft. You know, he, 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 he would die for that university. Um, and seeing him go I was definitely tough. Um, just being there, you, you could see on his face how happy he was. And, you know, I just, you know, I, I wanted him to have the moment as well because, you know, that would have been him up, him up there. Um, you know, for Coach O. I would also like to thank Coach Miles for the opportunity to, to come to LSU and be a Tiger. Yeah, I, uh, he, he's a pretty special guy. He's one of those guys that, you know, you know, what the high school, junior high school, college, and NFL coach coach for is to add some skill and talent to the guy that they're coaching. And at some point in time, they recognize that and they turn around in some way, say thanks. And uh, what a wonderful thing that was for me. After deep prayer and consideration, my family and I have agreed that I would declare for the 2017 NFL Draft. As soon as Jamal declared, he quickly became one of this year's top prospects and dove headlong into the circus that follows these prospects from January through April. Pre-combine workouts at an Exos training facility in Phoenix, endorsement opportunities, going through the combine itself and LSU's Pro Day, and handling a new wave of media attention. He is just so laid back. You know, and I have to ask him all the time, are you okay? (laughs) That's Jamal's mom, Michelle Adams. By the time we get to the draft, you know, we'll see a little bit of the change. But right now, he's so laid back, um, you know, like nothing bothers him. But I know he's ready. He's ready to get it over with. He, he's ready to get out there uh, and, and be a leader and uh, just, uh, you know, facing the, the competition and just being able to be able to uh, be that team leader uh, for whatever team he um, is selected, you know, to be a part of. Clay Mack has noticed that focus in the way Jamal has juggled his private workouts with the mounting responsibilities this spring. He says Jamal scheduled a flight for a recent out-of-town meeting at a time that would minimize the impact on his training routine. I think that's the one thing that he's steadily, steadily been focused on, you know, how to present himself, 
you know, where to present themselves in certain environments, you know, things of that sort, and, main, and mainly, and most importantly, making sure that he's taking care of the things that's going to take care of him, which is taking care of his body, you know what I'm saying, and then, you know, the mental process of it, and then, um, you know, uh, diluting things that, that don't suppose to go with him being a professional, and then incorporating the things that's supposed to go with him being a professional, like taking care of your body, you know, going through yoga, getting massages, you know, things of that sort. So, you know, I'm sitting here, I'm sitting here watching it transform you know, right before my eyes. So, I mean, I think that's the most plausible thing that I've seen, you know, the biggest notice and the biggest jump as it relates to his maturity. For his part, Jamal has seen that work pay off. You can see my body transform uh, from, you know, kind of like body fat, losing uh, body fat to gaining muscle. Um, so, I, I, you know, I definitely enjoyed that. You know, I can uh, take my shirt off more. Uh, but, you know, it was something that, you know, as far as nutrition, as far as like, you know, Vic, you know, teaching us, you know, how to run the 40 technique wise, um, everything that those guys did for us, um, I think that it's going to pay out. Jamal's schedule these past few months may not be all that different from the other players ticketed for the first round, but thanks to his dad's NFL career, his support network has a little more star power than most. I had a mentor who's really popular. His name is Bill Parcells. Parcells' 1986 Giants earned George Adams his Super Bowl ring and instilled lessons about the commitment and work ethic it takes to succeed in the NFL that he passed on to his son. Jamal also had the ear of Michael Irvin and Ryan Clark, the latter of whom believes that LSU's next great safety is built for NFL success. Like you can be blessed with all the talent you know that you want. How many times have you heard stories about guys who always say, well, growing up, so-and-so was better than me, but he didn't want it as bad as I did. I don't think we'll ever say that about Jamal, that this other guy is better than him because he wants it more than Jamal wants it. And to chase the football the way he did, does, to arrive with the attitude he arrives with, he has it, and he's going to have that Landon Collins, Eric Berry type of impact on the team right away. Even before those conversations, Jamal got a thorough crash course in the NFL from his father, rookie hazing, the importance of staying true to yourself, and how to handle the first round, even though that's become much more of a spectacle in the 32 years since George entered the league. I know his hopes is up high. Uh, My hopes is up high because I would love to see my son be in the top five, something that I didn't do. You know, actually, back in the day, I I told him, I said, hey, you got to be how you got to be a how pick than me. I was the 19th pick. And I'm pretty sure that he's going to be picked higher than me. But guess what? Right now, I still can hold that over his head. I'm the hash right now. Topping his father would be one thing. Topping Ohio State safety Malik Hooker, a dynamic playmaker who many experts believe could be ticketed for the top 10, is a more pressing concern. Well, in my mind, I feel like I'm the best. Um, But in his mind, he should feel the same way. Um, Because, you know, I wouldn't respect him if he didn't. Um, as a competitor, you're supposed to, you know, feel like you, you're the best on the field at all times. Um, but you know, it's two, it's two great players that's battling, two great safeties, um, and you know, w- we can go anywhere. It, it really doesn't matter. And I, I think he feels the same way. Um, let me tell you my prediction, and it's my prediction um, was this prediction from day one, um, and and that's going to be top five, pick three. And I've been saying pick three for the longest. So, you know, there's a lot of predictions out there, projections, however you want to say it. Um, you know, they have Jacksonville. They, you know, they have Chicago Bears and some other teams, you know, want him. So we really don't know until day one when, it, you know, when we're all down in Philly. But, you know, the only thing I can possibly say, you know, Jamal is 
he's just wanting an opportunity uh, for any team, you know, just um, happy just to, you know, just to have an opportunity to play for, you know, a particular team and be an asset. Whether or not a mother's intuition prevails remains to be seen, but almost every part of Jamal's life up to this point has set him up to deliver on the history-making expectations he might enter the pros with. Just ask Les Miles, the coach who took a player with a first-round pedigree and honed his unique talents at the nation's leading finishing school for NFL defensive backs. This is the style of guy that the NFL's really made for. I mean, he's quite mobile. He's going to be team He's going to enjoy team. He's going to respond, and he's going to be challenging in the fellas. You know, he's going to be going against the greatest wide receivers in the world, and you know, I think that he will enjoy that challenge, and he will play years in the NFL and not be changed because he's already played in the NFL in his mind, game after game after game, because he's he treated the preparation sincerely. I think he's ready. I think this will be a, like I said, I think this will be a, uh, somebody that drafts this lad will be just awfully happy with who they have on the field and off the field. This episode of Draft Season was reported by Chris Burke and Pete Thamel and produced by Alex Abnos. Alex created our theme song, and Harry Swartout created the artwork for the podcast. Special thanks to Ben Eagle and the rest of SI's college football and NFL editing teams. I'm Eric Single. This is Draft Season.